RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top story is the Education Secretary says it's time for universities to decide whether to restrict campus access after clashes in recent weeks. The government says it's pulled funding requests for three universities but denies that they're being punished. And a former government minister warns that government plans for a committee to investigate the protests is no substitute for an independent commission of inquiry. Education Secretary Kevin Young says universities should rethink whether they should still allow everyone to enter their campuses freely following clashes between police and protesters at several institutions. The minister says many unknown people entered campuses and dormitories during the clashes and several universities have since limited access to campuses. He says the government will meet with university management to discuss how they've been affected and how they can prevent a repetition. Regarding the limit of access to the campus, I think it all depends on the individual campus. Some of them are very big and may not be really feasible to have a very strict control over access. But I think the management and also together with our support will consider all possibilities. The idea is to maintain the safety of the campus for everyone of the university, including the students as well as the teaching staff. Mr Young also says the government has pulled funding requests for three universities after some lawmakers expressed concern. He says the Education Bureau is in charge of a funding request for the library expansion of the Polytechnic University, but decided to drop it because authorities had no idea of the extent of the damage to the campus's current facilities. Government bids for project funding at the Chinese University and Hong Kong University have also been dropped. These bids were spearheaded by the Food and Health Bureau, or FHB, but Mr Young says the government is still hoping to retable these items in LegCo before the current legislative term ends next summer. We need more times to work with the management of the PolyU to firm up the timetable and also to re- reconfirm the design of the whole extension. And for the other items which are led by FHB, I think it's also their intention to resubmit the item when they have a chance to further discuss with some electrical member to further explain the projects to the members. So I think it's still our target to resubmit all these proposals to the Legislative Council within this uh, legislative section. The Chief Secretary, Matthew Jung, also says the government is not targeting or punishing universities by pulling the funding requests, saying it needs more time to communicate with lawmakers to give the items more chance of being supported. Asked if the government would shoulder repair costs for the Polytechnic University, Mr Cheung says the university has already assessed the situation and the government would help if necessary. Former government official Anthony Cheung says the setting up of an independent review committee to look into the causes of the city's political crisis would not be enough to soothe public discontent. The government is now in the process of setting up such a committee to look into allegations of police brutality, but has repeatedly brushed off demands for a commission of inquiry which would have statutory powers to call witnesses. Mr Cheung, who is a former Transport and Housing Secretary, says this is no substitute for the COI which protesters are demanding. From the point of view of the public to expect open, impartial hearings so that we can know the whole truth regarding any incidents, I think that will be more effective. Government can at the same time have a separate mechanism to review certain things. The two may not be contradictory. But if you expect an independent review committee to replace an independent commission inquiry, then I don't think it would deliver. 
Government sources in Britain say a man who stabbed two people to death in central London is a former terrorist out on, on parole. The man was later shot dead by police on London Bridge. Speaking before a meeting of the government's emergency response committee, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, said he wanted to deal with how the system dealt with release of criminals. I have long argued that it is a mistake to allow serious and violent criminals to come out of prison early. And it is very important that we get out of that habit and that we enforce the appropriate sentences for dangerous criminals, especially for terrorists. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. China's November factory activity rebounded for the first time in seven months, despite the looming threat of fresh U.S. tariffs within weeks if Beijing and Washington fail to sign a partial trade deal. The closely watched Purchasing Managers Index, a key gauge of activity in the country's factories, rose to 50.2 in November, up from 49.3 last month. A reading above 50 signifies growth, while a reading below 50 indicates contraction. Activists across France have staged protests against Amazon, decrying consumerism and the impact of the online shopping service on the environment. In action coinciding with Black Friday, a discount shopping day, protesters gathered outside Amazon's French headquarters north of Paris. They also tried to blockade a shopping centre in the capital and a logistics centre north of Lyon. Amazon said it disagreed with the actions of the protesters. The BBC's Hugh Schofield has more. From the left, from the, the, the political left, the environmentalist left, there is a uh, feeling that this whole thing is an American import which really has no place in French society and that it's an encouragement to hyper-consumerism. And, and they've chosen this year to, to, to go public with this in a way that they haven't got, got, uh, done before, bringing together those two strands, the environmental strand and the kind of left-wing anti-consumerist strand. To sport now, and for a preview of this weekend's English Premier League action, here's the BBC's John Bennett. Managers under pressure is the theme of this weekend's games in the Premier League. Several clubs may well be contemplating making a change if results don't go their way. Everton's mini-revival was ended by a very disappointing 2-0 home defeat by Norwich last Saturday, which means head coach Marco Silva's job is under threat going into a really tough game against in-form Leicester City. West Ham boss Manuel Pellegrini will also be a worried man, with the team having failed to win any of their last eight matches. Like Everton, they face a team full of confidence, Chelsea, who are in fourth place. The Premier League's bottom two teams, Watford and Southampton, also need to turn their fortunes around sooner rather than later to avoid getting stranded in the relegation battle and they meet at Southampton. Losing isn't an option for either side. Elsewhere, Manchester United continue to be inconsistent going into a tough home game against the dangerous Aston Villa team inspired by the impressive Jack Grealish. Leaders Liverpool test their unbeaten record at home to Brighton and after a crucial 2-1 win over Chelsea, third place Manchester City are away to strong struggling Newcastle United. Those are some of the big games to look forward to. BBC's John Bennett there. 
World football's governing body, FIFA, has barred the former head of the Brazilian Federation, Ricardo Tejera, for life for corruption. FIFA says Mr Tejera took bribes from media companies in order to grant them exclusive rights to broadcast major tournaments in Latin America. He's been banned from taking part in any activities relating to football. Mr Tejera was head of the Brazilian Football Federation when the national team last won the World Cup in 2002. He was also a member of FIFA's executive committee. Mr Tejera's lawyer said he would appeal against the decision. Cycling and Hong Kong's track cycling star Sarah Lee takes centre stage in this weekend's UCI World Cup event at the Velodrome in Chengkwano. The 32-year-old won gold in the sprint competition at each of the first two legs in the current World Cup series. Hong Kong is hosting the third of six legs with New Zealand, Australia and Canada to come. Adam Chung has a preview. No one in the world has been able to be Sarah Lee in the sprint in the last 18 months. That's how dominant she's been and it goes to show the level of uh, focus that she has in terms of qualifying for the Olympics. She's expected to win the sprint in her home event and it'll be interesting to see if she can win the Kirin as well. That's the event in which she won the Olympic bronze medal at the London Games in 2012. She has yet to win the Kirin in the World Cup series, but in the sprint, she's been perfect. She'll be challenged by a young rider named Emma Hinze. The 22-year-old from Germany finished third in the sprint in the first leg in Minsk. Another local rider worth watching is Jessica Lee. She surprised the home fans in last year's Hong Kong event by picking up a bronze medal in the Kirin, so it'll be interesting to see whether she can reach the podium again. The Philippine government says President Rodrigo Duterte will attend the opening ceremony this evening for the Southeast Asian Games, one day after Mr. Duterte apologised for the chaotic build-up. 30th SEA Games has been marred by complaints about transport, accommodation and food as thousands of athletes have flooded into the Philippines for the biggest ever edition of the multi-sport event. And that's the news from RTHK. Live online. This is Radio 3. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3 p.m. This week, we offer a smorgasbord of new sounds and new albums, specifically two brand new EPs and a selection of hot new hits from a surprising number of places on the planet. As always, Giovanotti says it so well. In Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. He is from Rome. And we start off with our first of hot new tracks from a lot of places on the planet with the quartet based in Paris calling themselves Acid Arab. They just released their latest and I believe their third album called Jdid, which is Arabic for new, and they have a bit of a story. They started off as two, Guido Minisky and Hervé Carvalho back in 2016. They're now four, with added members Sex Schön and Kenzi Burras. 
And they have a view of what they want to do. Uh, they've been quoted in an interview as saying, we're fascinated by Eastern music and its codes, such as complex rhythmic structures, binary and ternary, superimposing upon each other, which drive dancers to trance just like Acid House does. We'd like to take these codes and use analog techno devices like beatboxes, bassline or bassline machines to create something new, an oriental acid music which combines the coldness of techno and the emotional and dramatic power of the East. Our knowledge of the dance floor is now digested. We've spent night after night digging records and files to know more about Arabic music. So their new album has 11 tracks, of which this one on the charts, which has as guest vocalist, 80s Algerian scene and star singer Sheikha Hajla. This is the lady with... Uh, her name means Miss Hajla, and the track is called Malik Yazahri. She's one of the Rai big stars of Algeria. Let's have a listen to Acid Arab and Sheikha Hajla. <laughs> Yeah, man, look at your 